You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Amen. Do you love the Lord tonight? Amen. I love the Lord tonight. Love the Lord tonight. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord on this midweek Wednesday night. We want to take a moment to go to the Lord in prayer. Several requests tonight. We are praying first for the Lettner family. Uh, Mark Lettner's brother Eugene passed away. Tonight was the visitation. Tomorrow is the funeral. So let's remember them. Uh, remember Kay Grover tonight. She needs a touch in her body. Praying also for Sister Erlene. She had surgery, but she's recovering well. Amen. Remember Brother Blake. He's going in for an outpatient surgery in the morning. Praying for Jory as well. Continue to pray for him. And Amanda Godby's in the hospital needs. Amen. God's touch right now. And I know there's other needs here tonight. I'm going to let's just take it to the Lord right now and believe. Would you lift your voice with me, God, in Jesus' name? I thank you for every blessing, every testimony, every life that is here tonight. And I ask right now in the name of Jesus Christ, God, for your healing virtue and touch upon each one of these needs, every detail, every situation. I pray, God, that your comfort would rest tonight with the Letner family. God, let there be strength tonight upon them, Lord. I pray for all those that are fighting sickness, God, for every impossibility. We speak the name of Jesus tonight, God. Lord, have a liberty to move, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Let your will be done. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, according to your will. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Why don't you turn around and greet somebody tonight. Welcome them to the house of the Lord here on midweek on Wednesday night. Amen. And it's good to be, it's good to be in God's house tonight. Amen. Good to be with God's people. Amen. Our ushers are going to come and wait on us tonight. I don't know if they're ready. Our ushers, thank you so much for your giving. And while our ushers are coming, I just want to make mention again of Move the Mission. Everybody say, Move the Mission. Move the Mission. This was known for a gazillion years as She's for Christ. She's for Christ. And uh, But they've changed the name. It's the same thing, goes to the same Fun. So if you weren't able, thank you for everybody. I think we raised right around $2,000 Sunday with the pie auction. Glory be to God. What an awesome thing. If you weren't able to give or buy a pie, you can still give to move the mission. So this next week, tonight, Sunday, and online at ctkofallon.com as well, you can give to that. If you want to be a part of that, that'd be a great thing to give to. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, God bless this offering, everything that's given, and let it be multiplied in your hands. We pray in Jesus' name. Bless every giver. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give tonight. You can be seated while they're coming. Amen. They're receiving our offering tonight. want to let you know, uh, the next couple weeks, we have an exciting evangelist that's going to be with us. Our own brother Kendall Weeks is going to be home preaching to us the next couple weeks. So we're excited to have him back. This past Sunday was, in fact, his birthday as well as Brother Brandon's birthday. It's just been a week full of birthdays. <clears throat> just a lot of birthdays. 
And uh, tonight is Sister Dawn's birthday, or today was Sister Dawn's birthday. So happy birthday, Sister Great House. Amen. And if you weren't here last night, wow, you missed it. We had a prayer walk through the church, and uh, I just got to participate. And uh, we went, started at the baptistry all the way through every part of this facility, anointing it, praying over it, and all of our departments. And God blessed in such a tremendous way. Thank you. Thank you for everyone that labors around the house of God and works here at the church. Can we give all of our laborers and ministers and everyone a great big hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, I know you are blessed because you serve. And so, but I do want to say also a very special thank you. Amen. To those that help surprise my wife. Amen. For her birthday Sunday night. Her birthday's technically not until Saturday. And uh, so, but thank you for that. What a wonderful time we had together. We're going to dismiss our children and our youth. Amen. Upstairs tonight. By the help of the Lord, we're going to have a good Bible study and uh, we're going to get through here. I won't try to hold you all night long. So I do covet your prayers and ask for you to pray for my wife and I and our family. We're going to head up this weekend to uh, uh, Iowa and we're going to honor my in-laws who are officially retiring from their post and uh, bishop status now at the church there. We're so excited. Uh, they're going to be moving down here and joining us here at CTK, as you've heard. But this weekend's a special celebratory weekend for that. And then my wife and I are going to get away with our son on a little holiday, a little sabbatical. We're going to have some fun there. So I'm glad that the church will be in great hands while we're gone. And while pastor's away, amen, be faithful and have good church. Turn to somebody and tell them that. Don't tell me that. Turn to somebody else and say, tell them you be faithful and have good church. Amen. Amen. No, I, I know this is a tremendous church, and I thank God for everyone that's stepping up in those places. I tell people now, uh, I've, I've used this line more than once in the last few weeks. I tell people now, I don't know what's going on. I'm just the pastor. <laughs> and uh, that's good because there are so many people that are serving around here. And it really helps us, amen, to be able to minister and do other things. So, amen. We baptized someone tonight just about a half an hour before church. So praise God for that. Amen. Another in Jesus' name. So things are happening and God is working. I want to take your attention tonight. Now, I want to uh, prepare you for tonight's Bible study in this. It might seem a little bit heavy. And I don't intend for it to be heavy in any manner or any way. But I think it's a truth about the Word of God. And so when you are exploring the depths of God's love and the depths of God's mercy, you can't just look at one aspect. You have to look at the whole thing. And so we're going to look at this, how great the mercy of God is. Maybe from the, a little bit of the backdoor perspective, if you will. And so... Uh, I'm going to take you to the book of Jeremiah tonight. Now, I say that because Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. And so there is some great gravity to this. But Jeremiah's weeping was not because 
God was so awful, but because the people would not take advantage of the abundance of God's mercy and God's love. And I'm going to tell you right now today, we are living in a day of abundance of mercy. God's mercy is abundant today. Amen. God's mercy knows no limit. I believe this with all of my heart. Doesn't matter how bad you are. Doesn't matter how deep you are in sin or how bound you are. God's mercy. If you're hungry, if you're willing, God's mercy is ready to save. God's mercy is ready to reach. And the tragedy, the tragedy is that so many people don't take advantage of the mercy of God. So I've got a lot of notes here. So let me get this all situated here. Amen. Let's go to Jeremiah, and I'm going to take you to three verses of Scripture here. You can remain seated tonight because we're going to be in the book a lot, and we're going to look back and forth a lot. And I'm going to begin by reading in the King James Version, but I'm also going to skip to some of the New Living Translation. And Jeremiah, let's go Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 16, and then let's find Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 14, and then let's find Jeremiah chapter 16 and verse 5. And so we'll skip through here real quick. Let's begin at Jeremiah chapter number 7. How many are ready to hear from the word of the Lord tonight? Amen. Can we just pray right now where you're seated, Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your truth. And I pray tonight, God, that your word, God, could convict our hearts, God, that you could inspire us, God, that you could motivate us to your love and your mercy tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 16. Now, in my devotions, I was reading the last few weeks in Jeremiah, and in chapter 7, here in verse 16, I read something that startled me, if you will. He says this, Therefore pray not thou for this people. Everybody say, pray not. Pray not. Pray not. Now this is shocking that God is telling his prophet his preacher, pray not for this people. Go to Jeremiah. Oh, well, let's finish the verse. Neither lift up cry nor prayer for them. Neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. Now, this is strong. This is powerful. Now, a few weeks ago, I preached and we talked about how we are not to give God a break how God tells us to pray, and then when you're done praying, pray some more, and then pray again, and to keep on praying. But here, to understand now, if we just take one text and we look at that, we wouldn't understand the full context. We have to take everything. Here, God tells Jeremiah not to pray. So let's go to verse chapter 11 and verse number 14. Chapter 11 in verse number 14, and he says the same thing. Therefore, pray not thou, for this people neither lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor for I will not hear them in the time 
that they cry unto me for their trouble. Now, if I was in the New Living Translation, if we could put this in the New Living Translation, and you could pick either verse, Jeremiah 7, 16 or Jeremiah 11, and it would say this, verse 14, it would say this, pray no more for these people. That's in the New Living Translation. Pray no more for these people. So God is instructing Jeremiah to not pray for these people. You say, Lord, what in the world is going on here? Have I got your attention tonight? This is pretty shocking. This is pretty startling. And now I want us to go to perhaps one of the hardest verses to read in Jeremiah chapter number 16. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter number 16. And we will look here. Am I in Jeremiah chapter number 16 and verse number 5? Verse number 5. For thus saith the Lord, Enter not into the house of mourning, neither go to lament nor bemoan them, for I have taken away my peace from this people, saith the Lord, even loving kindness and mercies. Let's read this. Can we have this in the New Living Translation as well? Jeremiah 16 and 5 here in the NLT says this. This is what the Lord says. Do not go to funerals to mourn and show sympathy for these people, for I have removed my protection and peace from them. I have taken away my unfailing love and my mercy. So tonight I want to talk on this topic, this this subject, when mercy is taken away. When mercy is taken away. When mercy is taken away. We can, in our zeal for the good things of God, in our zeal for the goodness of God, we can only speak and talk and discuss of the love of God and the greatness of God and the goodness of God and sing of His mercy and His everlasting. And in fact, it's interesting today because if we were to look at our worship service and our songs in probably, let's say, the last 30 years, let's just pick songs in the last 30 years have only focused on the positive things of the gospel, what God can do for us. That's, that's where our worship music is at right now, and, and rightfully so. I think one thing that has impacted that is uh, 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 music sales uh, uh, broadcast on the radio, uh, uh, television, media, um, songs that we used to sing, we don't sing anymore. Like, I remember when I was a child, we used to sing, Everything that's not of Jesus shall come down, shall come down. 
And we would sing songs that had, there was, there was more balance, if you will, in the hymns. In fact, if you go back to the book of Psalms in your Bible, there are a lot of Psalms that are rather intense, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And this was truths about God that were put to music, lyrical music, put to rhyme, put to rhythm, and they were sung by the culture of the people of God. And so while they would sing a psalm that was, for the Lord is good and his mercies are everlasting, they also would sing very plainly and very clearly about how God would destroy the wicked. And so there was a balance there. There was an understanding there. And so now we've entered into uh, uh, an era in Christendom where, without reading your Bibles, if you just go to YouTube and, and watch the highlight reels, it's God's a way maker, and he's going to do good things for you, and he loves you, and, and you don't catch the other side of things, and you don't really then have the fullness of understanding and maybe the appreciation of how wonderful his mercy is and his truth is. Is this okay tonight? So I want to talk to you from Jeremiah. Now, I know we are not living in the old covenant. We are not under the old covenant. We are not living in Old Testament times. But the Old Testament was given to us as a schoolmaster. And it speaks to us in types and shadows about a God that does not change. And so there are truths that are illustrated and manifest that still are true today. And while I thank God that we are in a dispensation of grace, mercy, whatever you want to say, there is a reality that there is a shelf life on the window of opportunity to accept the salvation that God has given. Now, number one, that shelf life is according to your life. And no man is promised tomorrow. So that has a lot to do, but there is also coming a day where that door is going to close, just as the door on the ark that Noah built after God's design, it did close at a time. That was a type to teach us that right now we are in a day where God has provided an ark by which we can escape. But there's coming a day where that door will close. And so to illustrate the reality of that, we have the story of Jeremiah. Contextually speaking, the children of Israel had strayed so far from God that God basically tells Jeremiah, I'm taking some people out of this land and I'm going to leave the rest of them there. And the people I'm taking out of the land, he said, they're the good ones. And I'm going to take the good figs out of the land and I'm going to take them to captivity. And they're going to be in captivity for 70 years. And after that, I will bring them back and I will rebuild some things. But the rest of them, there's pretty much no hope for them. They're staying here. But, oh, Jeremiah, guess what? You don't get to go with the good ones. You get to stay right here. And you get to preach to them. You preach to them. So Jeremiah did. He preached to them about 
the truth of God, but he also preached to them about the grace and the mercy of God. And we see that in the book of Jeremiah. We'll end with that tonight, that Jeremiah's appeal was to the people, the children of God that had walked away, that they could still be saved. He was telling them, it doesn't have to be this way. You can be saved even now. But his tragedy and his lament and his weeping was that they would not take advantage of the love and the mercy of God. And so we find ourselves in the text, this is very hard, where God tells Jeremiah, stop praying for them, stop interceding for them, I will not hear you. Wow. So we're at a difficult place. Okay, so let's go back a few Sundays ago. I preached the message to you on prayer. Don't give God a break. And Isaiah says, pray, ask God, remind God, intercede, go to interceding, and don't stop. And Isaiah later on says, God says, I would have helped you, but no one asked me for it. And Isaiah's rebuke to the children of Israel was you weren't praying. You weren't asking God. God was here to help you, and you weren't asking God. But you need to pray. You need to pray until there's revival. You need to pray until your city changes, until your nation changes. And I preached to you about that, praying for revival. We went to the parable of importunity where Jesus talks about the lady that comes before the unjust judge. And if he, because of her persistence, would answer her an evil and a wicked man, how much more would God hear a hungry and honest person that was praying? God wants us to pray. And it's not as much about God because God doesn't need prayer in the sense that he needs it, uh, uh, in the way that we do, but it was about us, about us preparing ourselves and making ourselves ready for revival and laboring for revival. It has less to do about changing God's mind and desire and more about us. God already desires to save the whole world. So when I kneel down and pray, I'm not going to change God's mind. You know, sometimes I get down, God, send revival. Please send revival. I'm not changing God's mind. God's desire is already to send revival. But what is happening when I'm praying send revival? Well, first thing, something's changing in me. If I'm praying send revival, and I pray and I keep praying send revival, something's going to happen in me to change to where I'm going to be an agent for revival in this world. So I preached that message on a Sunday morning. And I was talking to Brother Blake. He's not able to be here tonight. I don't know if he's able to watch online or not tonight, but I'll give him full credit for this. And I was talking to Brother Blake later on in conversation. And uh, we're praying for him. He's got out, outpatient surgery tomorrow. He said he, he was excited. He said, I've outlived, the, I've outlived the battery of my pacemaker, and I'm going back. And he said, I'm praying to outlive the next one. And I said, amen, Brother Blake. We're praying for that. That's right. So he couldn't be here tonight um, because he's quarantining for that. But he came up in conversation and he shared with me a message that he preached. I asked him, have you ever preached that message here? And he goes, I don't know if I have. But several people, ministers, had asked him to preach that message everywhere. So 
I was going to try to bring him up here and have him. Maybe he could do this better because I do think it, it would be worth it would be worth us hearing. But I'm going to give you the gist of it if I can, from what I understand. Because the moment he started speaking, it all there were things just clicking in my spirit and in my mind coming together. And I can't remember the title of his message or the text, but the essence of this was that God, when we're talking about prayer or we're talking about intercession, there is a way. And so this would be an added element to my sermon. You could call it an added element. You could even call it a missing element to complete the picture, to complete the understanding. But there is a true literal sense that God needs our prayers and our intercession. Not in the sense that God needs us to be able to help him accomplish his will and what he wants to do. He's already going to accomplish his will. But God needs our prayers and our intercessions, not only for our life, but for the lives of those around us in this sense. For God to step into someone's life and intervene and give love and give mercy that is not requested. Where is the justice in that? And while God is a God of love, He is also a God of justice. And so everything He does has to be just. And if God is just coming down and imposing himself upon us, where is the justice of that? But if God is moving and working in someone's life that may not be asking for it or desiring it or seeking for it, but God is doing it in response to an intercessor, He is justified in extending mercy to those that do not deserve mercy. He is justified in extending grace to those that have been rejecting of grace. He is justified in loving those that have resisted the love of God because there is an intercessor. Now, is that not powerful? Here's the reality, and 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 I've talked and I've taught about the attributes of God. Uh, You've heard me refer to the Absolute Series. Brother Philip, I know that you've gone back and listened to that I don't know how many times. But that app five times. Oh, my goodness. Wow. (laughs) Praise God. That's a lot. But in the Absolute Series, I think I took eight weeks. I can't remember how long I took, but... um, to talk about the eight unique attributes of God. And in studying those attributes, there's so much, because if you can get those fundamental eight things, it will interpret and be the foundation for so much more. And the reality is that, yes, God is absolute love, but God is also a God of justice. He's a God of judgment. He's a God of justice. And His attributes and God's characteristics do not work in conflict. I used to think they worked in conflict. I used to think that they worked in competition and that God was a God of justice, but mercy told justice to stop and mercy gave a space for us. But no, no, no. Mercy is not in competition or in conflict with justice. 
God's mercy satisfies His justice. Because if God was a God of mercy and He just forgave everything without appeasing His justice, He would cease to be a just God. But the Bible clearly tells us He is a just God. And so mercy says, I'm not going to suspend the laws of justice. Mercy says, I'm going to satisfy the laws of justice and yet give you mercy to let you off the hook. And therein, God robed himself in flesh and became our atoning, substitutionary sacrifice. And in the death on the cross, mercy was saying, you get to go free. But mercy was satisfying the justice of God by saying, I'm going to pay the account. I'm going to pay off. I'm going to pay off the debt. I'm not going to leave justice over here hanging. Amen. So mercy satisfies God's justice and justice rejoices. And yet mercy lets us go free. That's the God that we serve. Somebody praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. He's a worthy God tonight. Praise God for that. So we praise God for that. So God operates. He never ceases to be a God of justice, but he operates in grace and mercy. And he does need an intercessor. But there's wonderful things. There's wonderful news that when you and I fail to intercede, we have an intercessor. Because Jesus said, if everybody gives up, I'll be the intercessor. Hallelujah. He goes into the holy place and he becomes the mercy seat. (laughs) We could go through all of that. Wow. And so God never ceases to be a God of mercy or a God of love or a God of justice, but he appeases, he satisfies those work in harmony. So with that, we come now to the book of Jeremiah. And God, while he's telling Jeremiah, I'm going to take the good figs out of the land and the bad figs, they're going to left. They're going to be left and they're going to rot and they're going to mold and mildew and corrode. But Jeremiah, you don't get to go with the good figs. You have to stay with the bad figs. Now, you want to talk about trying to pick and choose your ministry. That is not the ministry you want to pick and choose. And Jeremiah is there, and he's preaching to them, and he's speaking to them, and he's prophesying to them. And there is a window of grace and mercy open. But in God's grace and mercy that was made available to them, freely available to them, and really to describe how bad it was in that day, I don't know if it'd be appropriate to speak publicly what was going on. The sins that had piled up the idolatry, the immorality, the gross wickedness, the the murder, the the callousness, the, the evilness that was in that place. It was better. Here's how bad it was. It was better for you to be carried off into captivity, into Babylon, 
than to stay. Babylon, the one that that is is spoken of as the spirit of the world. In, in, In John's revelation of Jesus Christ, Babylon is the great whore, the great harlot. Babylon is the world system that that is that is that that is so uh, uh, defiling. And yet in Jeremiah's day, it was better to be taken to captivity to Babylon than to stay in that area. And so the people of God have gone farther. He said, you are doing things that not even the nations that I had you drive out even would have thought to do. Your sin and your sickness and your evil is so bad. And just to talk about the, the um, we don't have to get into it, but their, their idolatry worship, their, their sacrificing of, of unwanted pregnancies and children at the altars, um, their, their gross immorality, their murders, their cheats, the, just the, it was not a place, it would be a place that you'd want to be exiled from. And in the midst of this, they've rejected God's mercy. It's in Jeremiah where he says, is there not a balm in Gilead? Is there not a, is there not a medicine to heal us? Why then aren't the people healed? Why aren't they saved? And he begins to lament over this. This mercy is is readily available. The love of God, the redemption of God is available. And yet the people of God, the children, the quote unquote children of God, the people that had a covenant had broken every covenant. And now they have rejected God. They literally are refusing God and they are saying no. And all of a sudden there's a change and God says, stop praying for them. Now that is so powerful. That is terrifying. When God says to his agent, stop praying for them. Because God, throughout the text, all throughout Israel's history, what has God been looking for? He's been looking for an intercessor. That is a messianic theme that is woven through the text where God is looking for an intercessor. Moses intercedes. Phineas intercedes. There's a place. He's looking for someone to stand in the gap. He's looking for an intercessor. But here with these specific people, not with those that are carried away to Babylon, God already, he's going to have a people. And he's telling Jeremiah, there will be a people that will come out of captivity and I will build, there's going to be a remnant. But to the people that are left, to these people, specifically those, he's saying, you know the covenant. You are the sons and daughters of David. You have the covenant. You have the blessing. And to those, he tells Jeremiah, stop praying. Stop interceding. I will not hear you anymore. And he goes on and tells us why he says to stop interceding. When he says, In Jeremiah 16 and 5, you can put that verse back up there. He says, I have taken away my protection and peace 
and my unfailing love and my mercy. Does that mean God didn't love them anymore? No. God wills that none perish, but that all come to everlasting life. But this is what it looks like when mercy is taken away. Why? Because God is going to reveal Himself to every single individual in time. He will. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And God will use His love first to reach us. He will love us. He will bless us. He'll send somebody. He'll, he'll love us. He'll use His love to reach us. God will use His mercy to reach us. But when we reject His love, and when we reject His mercy, what's left? God's justice will reach us to show us that He is God and we are not. If we reject the mercy of God, if this world rejects the mercy of God, God will use His justice to prove that He is God. And this is what it looks like when His mercy is taken away. He told Jeremiah, don't pray for them. I'll use my wrath and I'll use my justice. You go through the text and we don't have time to read through here, but when you're reading through Jeremiah, he talks about, he says, I'm going to send calamity. This is hard scripture to read. He said, I'm going to send disease. He said, your children will be left. They'll be left. They'll die in war. No one will be there to bury them. And they will be left. He said, you, you will starve. And all of a sudden, God starts going through all these things. And you're reading it. And you're thinking, God, why is this in here, Lord? Why would you do that? And if you're not careful, you can almost get mad at God, Brother Zarita, and say, God, how dare you? But God is trying to reveal himself. He's trying to get through to them because at the end of all of this talking, he says, they're going to see all this calamity and then they're going to know that I was God. And then they're going to know that my covenant was true. And then they're going to know. Then they're going to cry out, he said, but it'll be too late because they'll be working in my justice. Look at verse 13. Go to chapter 13 and verse number 16. Well, okay, let's stop, stop. Go to, go to chapter 15, verse 1. Let's do this. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 1. And he brings up intercessors. Look at this. He says, Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. If you read that in the New Living Translation, he said, Even if Moses and Samuel stood before me pleading for these people, it wouldn't help them. There comes a place 
where mercy has a shelf life. And this, this is why the book of Revelation and Daniel's vision and Ezekiel's vision is in here. The Bible is telling us that the world has a shelf life. And if you're reading and paying attention today, I do believe that the expiration date is drawing near. And, and what he's letting us know is that if we will not respond to God's love and God's mercy, we are left to his wrath and his justice to reveal himself to us. Paul said this, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. What was he saying? He was saying, yes, I, I, I can tell you about the love and the mercy of God, but I also know the terror of the Lord. You do not want to be left to God's wrath and God's justice. You want to partake of God's mercy and God's grace. And when we think about it like that, Jesus died on a cross knowing that not everyone would appreciate the ultimate price that he would pay. Who are we? to look at the ultimate price that God would pay for our salvation. He would go to great lengths to appease his justice. Who are we to disregard the mercy and grace of God and say, no, thank you, Lord. I'll just live over here the way I want to live. This is where our world is today. We are living, we are seeing it. And there is a shelf life on mercy. Hear me today. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Go with me, if you will, to the book of Romans, chapter number one. There's something a little bit unnerving here about Romans chapter number one. Because in chapter number one, he talks about how they worship the creature more than the creator. They rejected the creator and they worship the creature. What is the number one narrative of our world today? We reject. If you believe in a God that created the heavens and the earth, you have a label on you. You are immediately marginalized. Your IQ is surely on the bottom end of the scale, if you would believe that. But he goes in verse 18, and what does he say? For the wrath of God, in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. What is this about? This is about the revealing of God. God is going to reveal himself to each one of us. He will do it in his love and his mercy. That's his desire to do it through his redemption to understand. But if we reject his love and his mercy, we'll be left to his wrath, his power, 
His justice. And when we fall on the wrong side of the scale, he goes in verse chapter, chapter 1, verse 24, wherefore, look at what he says. Well, well, let's read it. Go to verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Notice that every human being, every person that's ever walked on the face of this earth is without excuse because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Talking about the idolatry, they refuse to worship God, so they made their own idols, gods of convenience. Wherefore, God also gave them up. God, what does it mean? Take, take, take a moment to think about those words. God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, here's the same phrase, God gave them up into vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of the air which was meet, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now, does that mean they can't be saved? Absolutely not. They can be saved. Anyone that's full of unrighteousness and fornication and wickedness and covetousness and maliciousness and all the things that he talks about here, he clearly alludes to the sin and, and the abomination of homosexuality. And yet we know that in the Corinthian church that there were many that had been saved from and out of that lifestyle. So he's not saying that they can never be saved, but what he is saying here is that there can be a point in life where God says, look, my love, you have rejected my love and it won't work. And you reject my mercy and it won't work. And so I'm going to leave you to your own devices. Now you're going to fall on the wrong side of the scale. And now the peace of God is not with you. And the covenant covering is not over you. And now you are subject to the wrath of God and the judgment of God and the justice of God. And if that would, oh, I pray that that wrath, as it begins to work, that it would wake you up and stir something else in you that would cause you to turn around and say, God, change me. That would cause you to come to your senses when you are in that, that pig pen and realizing I've wasted everything else and now I'm left to my own devices and this is where it has led me and I'm outside of the Father's protection and I, I no longer have access to His peace. And in that place, He said, if I can just go back to my Father's house because God wants to reveal Himself to you.
And he's not just wanting to reveal himself in part. He wants to reveal himself fully. And so we go now and we close with Jeremiah's. It's not the final part of the book, but I would call it the final warning. Jeremiah chapter number 13. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter number 13. Jeremiah chapter number 13 and verse number 16. Jeremiah says, give... Now, mind you, Jeremiah is preaching to the same people that God just said, don't pray for. Mind you, he's preaching to the same people that God says, I have taken away my mercy. And Jeremiah says, give glory to the Lord your God before... He caused darkness and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains. And while you look for light, he turn it into the shadow of death and make it gross darkness. If we were to read that in the New Living Translation, Jeremiah 13 here and 16 in the New Living Translation says, Give glory to the Lord your God before it is too late. Acknowledge him before he brings darkness upon you, causing you to stumble and fall on the darkening mountains. For the Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Think of that. God's mercy doesn't run out. It's never exhausted, but there is a shelf life on when we can access it, invoke it, receive it, be covered by it. But to those of us who do take it, it endures forever. Mercy goes with me. I'm not perfect and I make mistakes, but mercy satisfied God's justice back then. It's satisfying God's justice now. I got news for you and your broken tomorrows and your disheartened, uh, uh, in your disheartened future and in your days of doubt ahead. Mercy will still satisfy God's justice. David said this, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. I'm going to tell you, living for God, this living for God thing and being apostolic, this isn't about saying I'm so great that I don't make any mistakes. This is about understanding I have accessed the mercy of God. And I know I'm going to make a fool of myself tomorrow. And I know I'm going to mess up the other day. I know I'm going to do something. But you know what? I have received the mercy of God in revelation. And his mercy's going to follow me into my tomorrows. And when I stumble and fall, I'm going to have strength to rise back up because God's justice. Uh, is satisfied to give me one more chance. Uh, Come on, grace gives me another chance. Uh, His mercy endureth forever. Oh, somebody ought to thank the Lord today. God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, God, for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your power. 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on to the drug addict that God set free that goes years and all of a sudden in the middle of the night they wake up with the cold sweats and they've got a craving that's coming from their natural man stronger than anything else and they don't know how they're going to hold off but mercy steps up and says I'm going to satisfy God's justice and I'm going to be your substitutionary sacrifice today. Hallelujah, and I'm not bound, I'm not condemned, amen, but I'm living in the mercy and the grace of God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, there's a day where it is too late. But if you can hear me now, it's not too late. <laughs> come on, there is a day where it will be no more. But if you're here tonight, come on, it's still here for us today. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I want to preach to the spirit of the city, to every alcoholic at the bar tonight. Come on, to every person that's steeped in sin, to everybody that's laying their head on the pillow thinking I've gone too far. Not even God can love me. I'm here to tell you it's not too late. Come on, mercy is still available. God's love is still free for all. And you can still reach out and receive it. Receive what God has for us. And here it is. So here's what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah says, give glory to God before it's too late. Give glory to God. Because what's this thing about? It's about understanding who he is. God wants to reveal himself to you. God, more than anything, wants to be known. Come on, you... You ever go somewhere and you wish somebody knew your name? You ever go somewhere and you wish somebody knew you? You know where you get that from? You're made in His image. You get that from God. The sad thing is I wonder as He walks to and fro on this earth, how many times does He walk into places? You say, you don't know my name? I, I came to an earth and Robed myself in flesh and I subjected myself and I went to a cross and I was beaten. I was wounded so you could know my name, but you don't know my name. God's desire is for us to know Him. Oh, can we stand together? I thank God. Come on, the Holy Ghost is in the house tonight. Came to encourage somebody tonight. Come on, it's not over. It's not over. Come on, I know your sins may be gross. They may be far. They may be horrible. But I got a word for you. God told Jeremiah, okay, Jeremiah, we are moving out of the mercy point. Stop praying for them because now I'm going to use my wrath and I'm going to use my justice to reveal myself. And yet Jeremiah says, listen, give glory to God. Come on. You know what will stop God's wrath quicker than anything? A true praise from your heart. 
Jesus, thou son of David, they said, have mercy on me. Come on, the Holy Ghost is in the house tonight. And I'm going to tell you what God wants. He's looking for some intercessors. Come on, God's mercy is not only here for you, but God's also looking for some intercessors. Come on, he's looking for some intercessors that'll pray to justify him imposing himself on somebody that's already rejected him. God's looking for some intercessors. Come on, that'll call the name out. Come on, hallelujah. That'll justify God shaking and stirring somebody that's as far from him tonight as they could get. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, church, can somebody let the Holy Ghost lead you? I don't know how the Lord's leading you to pray tonight. If you're joining us online, amen, I pray right now for you. Amen, for every living room, every household, every family that's watching, every individual in the name of Jesus Christ. God, don't let me miss, God, the window of your mercy in my life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on, CTK. Come on, can you lift your voice up and just begin to speak to the Lord tonight? Hallelujah, 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 Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. God, by your power. God, let your name be known, God, in our city. Let your name be known, God, in our area. Lord, in our homes, in our lives, God, in our family. Let it be known by your love. Let it be known by your mercy. Let it be known by your power. God, I pray for every sinner, every long lost soul. God, I pray for those souls that never knew you. But they're wondering, God, what life is all about. And they cry out. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, your mercy endureth forever. We know that there is coming a day, Lord, where you're going to wrap all of this up. Mercy will be no more. We know that it, it will be done, God. That opportunity will be missed. But Lord, right now, God, you are holding things back. You have yet to finish the story, God, because you're waiting, God. Oh, your will is that none perish, Lord, but that all come to everlasting life. Lord, I pray tonight in Jesus' name right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not too late. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your love. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.